From runasradio.com, you're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 835, Updating Windows with guest Ariana Carley, recorded Wednesday, June 8th, 2022. Run As Radio is produced each week by Sound Thoughts, LLC. For more information, visit soundthoughtsllc.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Hi, this is Richard Campbell. Thanks for listening to Run As Radio. My guest today is Ariana Carley, who is a program manager at Microsoft working to help IT admins manage Windows updates for the Windows Insider Program for Business, Windows Update for Business, and Windows Server Update Services. Hi, hi, Aria. How are you? Hi, Richard. Good. How are you? I'm great. Happy to be here. I, you know, step one, there are too many update tools. How do you, how do you sort all these out? Because Windows Update for Business, WSUS, I mean, SCCM, Intune, like there's a lot of choices. Yeah, for sure. I think it helps that some of those are built on the other tools at the end of the day. There's really three choices. Mm-hmm. You've got Windows Server Update Service, or WSUS. Right. You've got Windows Update for Business, or WSB. <laughs> and you've got media. Like, if you really wanted, you could go download an ISO or take a flash stick and go computer to computer. That third one, I really recommend against. Yeah, but thanks. <laughs> to each their own. <laughs> if you've got a few hundred servers walking around with a USB key, it gets old fast. That would be very true. And in that case, I would recommend you use Windows Update for Business or (laughs) WSUS. So is Windows Update for Business primarily focused on the desktop? Win 10, Win 11, like that's what it's for. Yeah, so you can actually use Windows Update for Business for the desktop client. You Mm -hmm. can use it for HoloLens devices. Oh, wow. You can use it for server devices. Um, If you actually look at Azure Update Management, they're setting uh, Windows Update for Business policies. Uh, similarly, HoloLens surfaces Windows Update for Business Policies, and Server allows you to as well, which is obviously anyone. And you just casually dropped Azure Update Management, too. Is that a product, or is it just sort of an, it's, an area? <laughs> it's similar to Intune or Configuration Manager, right? Mm-hmm. We have all of these Microsoft Endpoint Manager management tools, which obviously with Microsoft Endpoint Manager, you get Configuration Manager, you get Intune, you get that whole product suite. And that suite is really giving you management capabilities that are built on top of either WSF or WSB. Okay. So when you think about the client itself, whether that's a desktop client um, or a server or HoloLens actually only has WSB, so that's a special case. Right. Um, You actually have inbox these capabilities, um, whether that's to connect to the Windows Server Update service or to connect directly to Windows Update. And so those are all just built in. Okay. And this is maybe a bit of a side, but like HoloLens is literally just running Windows. So it has the same updates as everybody else. True. Yeah. And Windows Server is also running Windows. And I think that it's basically WSUS and WFB are the way you manage Windows. Right. Regardless what device type it's using. Okay. So any device that's running Windows, it's WFB and WSUS. It's when you get yep. into other applications. When I think about SCCM, the old SCCM, it was yep. about managing, uh, in, install sets for, for given workstations, which 
Now, now they've changed the name, right? Now it's Endpoint Manager or Endpoint Configuration Manager? Now it's MEM, Microsoft Endpoint Manager right. Configuration Manager, which is not at all wordy. No, so. no. They, look, we, we, we come from the world of Windows Presentation Foundation and things like this. Like, this is only four <laughs> words and they're relevant. But it actually seems like a compound name, like Microsoft Endpoint Configuration Manager. Like the Correct. Two different because things. it also covers Intune. You right. pay for one license, you get both. Because I think really the idea is it's a journey. We're trying to move more and more people to the cloud because there's so much more that you can do there, at least long-term bets, right. that you can't do if you're managing things on-premises. And obviously, the Config Man suite has so much more beyond just Windows, right? We're yeah. talking like application updates. We're talking about things like driver updates. We're talking about all of these things that go beyond just what Windows device. But it doesn't make sense to do the old-school configuration manager these days. like the if you're going to set up that advanced set of tooling, you should do it with Azure. I mean, I would do as much as possible with Azure. Right. I think it depends on what you're doing and what your specific use case is. Right. So I will say like working with tons and tons of different customers and getting to do a ton of different customer visits, the needs that you might have on a naval ship yeah. out in the middle of the ocean is very different than the needs you would have at a tech company, which is again, extremely different than the needs that I see in a manufacturer or in a hospital. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think it really depends on what you're trying to do, what your needs are, what management tool you should be using. Although we do try to provide clear guidance on those different areas because it can be confusing. You're right, yeah. But it also makes the point that there's a diversity of choices here because there's a diversity of customers. Exactly. And a diversity of device types. Right. right? Like think about IoT devices. Yeah. Well, even just dealing with uh, non-domain joined hardware with your your tablets and things like that you know in the i in the which tends towards intune like I, I think the point i'm trying to get to is recognizing there isn't one destination for everyone you're not actually trying to get us all to the same place but just sort of a recognition of what are the things that you need totally i'm just trying to provide a comprehensive set of capabilities right. that cover where you need to be and some of those things are going to be way better. Like, for example, our new Windows Update for Business Deployment Service. Mm -hmm. If you are able to, if you're enterprise licensed or E3, sorry, mm -hmm. or if you are able to use the Graph APIs, provide a whole set of capabilities and things that you can accomplish that you really can't do on-premises. Okay. Whether you're using ConfigMan or WSO Standalone or whatever. But then again, that's not going to be for everyone. There right. are going to be certain cases where... You can't use that. I would say the vast majority of people I talk to, the vast majority of companies could totally move to the cloud for Windows updates. Mm -hmm. um, but again, it's about business needs. Really, at the end of the day, how do you keep users productive and how do you make sure that you are keeping your job and making sure the company makes money? Well, yeah, I'm thinking about problems like I have a whole bunch of people working from home now and the machine's mm -hmm. never coming into the office. Mm -hmm. How do I manage that? And being careful with updates because sometimes updates break some of my apps. You know, like sometimes drivers are grumpy. Like, what? I know. Never. I'm just kidding. Just crazy talk. I know. I, actually, it's, it's interesting that like this past week, I tweeted out on the Run As uh, Twitter account about uh, a, a blog post specifically around testing updates, you know, yeah. setting up a lab with WSUS and building out a test run. Of a, of a set of updates before you roll it out. 100%. Yep. It's, a, it's, an, it's an interesting practice, but it also is sort of speaking to 
machine by, you know, configuration by configuration testing like that depends on the hardware you're running. I, yeah, like, I don't know. So one of the big things that I work on is the Windows Insider program for business. Mm-hmm. And we actually just released Windows 11 version 22H2 for testing yesterday. Right. Um, so it's now available, whether you use WSS or Wolfbee or and media, anything in between, it's now available. And it's fully supported for free, meaning you can file a support case regardless of your current licensing. You don't have to use up a PSS. Uh, nope. Right. Completely free. It's on us, which is good incentive. No, I to appreciate that. But I, and I, um, I mean, I'm old school enough to look at 22H1 and go, that's SP1 of Windows 11, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that's what it, and it, to me, as an IT person, like that's the version I want to look at before I roll it mm-hmm. up to my organizations. Like I've had a win 11 in a couple of places, but not very many. But now with 22H1, it's like, okay, I got to book out a couple of days, build out a rig and say like, is this the version I'm prepared to roll out? Yeah, I would definitely take investigating it. And I would also do it now when it's free to file support cases versus once it GAs, you're going to have to pay for that. Yeah, then it is going into your, your account. Oh yeah, totally. And so I do think that one of the big things to me is making sure more admins test. And that's testing a feature update. I really also wish more admins would test quality updates because all of the non-security, non-critical fixes, Mm -hmm. which, by the way, is the majority of what's in a security update, you can actually test about two to three weeks before the security update ever comes out if you're using release preview. So you can actually get a lot of that testing done before the security update even comes out. So I really recommend people's ring zero to be the release preview and then obviously do ring one at zero day, two, three. This is an interesting angle on the insider program in general. It's that I can be very cost effective as an IT admin staying up on the latest bits by doing the work in the insider program to try the new bits right away, provide feedback, get help. Mm-hmm. And then by the time the finished versions come out, I already know how that's going to deploy onto my network with my machines and workloads. Exactly. Like it's a more upfront cost, but you save yourself so much more if there is an issue. Right. Especially an issue that only impacts like your line of business application. Right. Or let's say an application that only you use. We provide free Aperture to get that fixed. Versus if you wait to get that fixed until you're ready to do the deployment. Now you've got to pause your deployment plans. You've got to push out all of the plans that you had. You have to go to your leadership and tell them why you're pushing out the plans Mm -hmm. and why it's going to be delayed. And now you have to really hope that you plan for this far enough before end of support. Yeah, it's an interesting trap to be in. It's really just much better plan to go earlier. (laughs) To be in early. But I guess the other question is, when I bump into an issue early in the cycle with Insider, what's the likelihood that by the time the deployed version comes out, it's going to be fixed for me? If you use our free support tool, mm-hmm. um, which is actually the same support page you normally go to, it's just you click release preview right. uh, to make sure it's free. Um, that actually goes to a dedicated team where we actually have a team who is looking only at the Windows issues that come in for a pre-support feature update or for quality update. Mm-hmm. And so those get higher attention. And we actually meet with a bunch of people across the company who are fairly high up about those on a monthly basis Nice. Um, to make sure they get it fixed. Now, what I can say is they may not all get fixed. Most will. And if they don't, what we can do is put into place a safeguard. So if you're updating some Windows Update for Business, now if it's a bad enough issue that we think would impact enough people, we'll put in place a safeguard. So devices won't automatically get that, even if you deploy the feature update to them, until that issue has been resolved. Interesting. 
Yeah. So, I mean, you're helping a lot of other people at the same time to detect those things and go, hey, this, this is probably going to take another update cycle to get fixed. So, But in the meantime, we won't break people. A hundred percent. Also, if you think about it, the time to fix actually is faster pre-release. But even if it wasn't, if it was the same amount of time to fix a bug, mm-hmm. if the bug is reported now versus reported in six months, you're still getting that fixed yeah. six months earlier. You're getting it earlier. So, you, yeah. you know, you're part of the process. You're you're going to know for sure the updates are going to work for you right out as they come out. It's cost, it costs you time versus money uh, in terms of PSS support and such. And uh, if there's an issue that's going to affect you, you're going to know about it and know not to deploy or that it's going to be blocked. Exactly. So yeah, this it's a bunch of interesting trades for you know really deciding when to spend your time on updates. Because one way or the other, you're going to spend your time on updates. Totally. Yeah. Unless you're going to be very trusting, in which case, power to you. <laughs> I'm for that. But for most organizations, I don't think they're just going to be that trusting. We haven't earned that trust yet. I think down the line, we might earn that trust. Yeah. To, to, right I mean, now. The consumers are running, for the most part, just update on their machines. Yeah. Um, but they, and occasionally they have breaking problems, and I'm sure you hear about that. But, you know, but business is a different thing because it's, well, A, you can't handle the bandwidth of just letting all the machines update on automatic update. That's just, you're bearing your network. I mean, that's, to me, that's where w, WSUS came from was let's stop pulling across the internet for all these machines. Let's put them in one place so that you're, mm-hmm. you're pulling internally. And then also that we actually tested and know this works in these configurations. Which I think is kind of the key, right? It's the reason that admins require control. Yeah. Is one, because now they're used to having control. So once you give someone control, they're like, I like uh, this. But two, I think the more important part is they want it to work. Mm-hmm. It's literally dollars on the line. If it's an end user at the company's computer isn't working, they have to go spend money to go to help desk. Yeah. Now that person's not working. They have to pay the help desk person to help them. They have to then, you know, fix it. And all of this is a loss of productivity for the company. Yeah. And so I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. No, I think it's a core metric of I roll out an update, how many tickets did that update generate? And the and the correct number is zero. <laughs> Anything more than that represents a concern of some kind. Right. And the problem, of course, is that it's never one. It's either zero or it's a hundred or however many people you know were impacted by the update. I really hope it's not a hundred, but yeah. <laughs> but it, you know, you get updates where a critical application is is no longer happy or or um even performance impacts. You know, I've, I've worked with organizations very sensitive to, to performance behavior and an update rolls out. I remember a bad network driver and just impacted everybody's networking and, you know, well worth the pain to roll that driver back because, but they were for the most part measuring in, in generated service tickets. That, that was the thing. I mean, I've definitely heard about some printers breaking when VPN breaks, you definitely hear those quite quickly. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, and therein lies a scary one when they're remote. It's like something breaks in a way that makes them no longer connected, like you've crippled the update ability. That's a sad day. Yes, that is not a good thing. Uh, we try to avoid that. <laughs> to be fair, that's easier to catch than something along the lines of uh, a line of business application yeah. breaking. La- application interaction like problems are harder to find. Specific business, smaller applications breaking because... Obviously, we actually do a lot of testing on different applications, but obviously we can't test every single application that works in the wild. 
especially not ones that are built specifically by that company for that company, probably by some tech person who's now not even at that company. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're internal anyway. I can't imagine you even testing all the hardware combinations, right? Like no. there's too many machines and there's too many variations in those machines. You know, and I, and again, I mean, I've spent enough time in this. It's like, hey, this works on 95% of the machines that's been inside of this organization. The 5%, although one that has this extra peripheral, you know, that's changed a configuration or something like that, that that's what's, you know, breaking everything. And you can't get rid of the peripherals there for a reason, but it's like, why this? Like, where did it happen over there? Uh, totally. Yeah, you know these pain. And Ari, I'm going to interrupt for one moment for this very important message. Microsoft has lots of ways to update Windows itself, but what about updating the application on your users' Windows endpoints? With zero-day vulnerabilities coming at you daily, how can you do a staged rollout to all your endpoints? With users in and out of the office, how can you keep up with the keeping up? Relax, you've got Netrix Policy Pack. Policy Pack hooks into what you've already got on-premises with Active Directory or an MDM service like Microsoft Intune. Or if you have nothing at all or have multiple customers, use Policy Pack Cloud. With Policy Pack, you can deliver in-house or third-party applications in a staged manner to all your machines. Upload your software to Amazon S3 or Azure Blob Storage and point and shoot the policies you need. Then let Policy Pack do the rest to get it installed. And when it's time to upgrade older software, you're in control. Update the source files on Amazon or Azure and let Policy Pack do the rest. Policy Pack automatically updates those endpoints with the latest software. So instead of frantically running around trying to update software on all your endpoints, relax. Try Policy Pack and see what thousands of IT admins already know. Come to policypack.com to start a free trial. That's policypak.com. Netrex Policy Pack. Powerful data security made easy. And we're back. It's Run As Radio. I'm Richard Campbell. This is Aria Carly. And we're talking a bit about the array of update services. Uh, I mean, you've already said quite clearly, there's not one destination here. But it just does seem like the 80% case is, is into. Like that that's where you want us. I would hope so. Yeah. I would love for at least Windows updates. I think we obviously have more to do on our story. I think it's getting better for third-party applications. Mm -hmm. um, but I know for a lot of companies, it's not fully there yet. Um, but I think for many, you could try it out. Um, but for Windows updates, I do think Intune is going to be one of your best bets. Uh, they actually have an Intune, both Windows Update for Business, client policies, the new Graph API with the Windows Update for Business deployment service, mm -hmm. and are building out all of those capabilities you need to do change management, to deploy the updates over phases, and now some really cool new stuff like intelligent rollout, where we will space out the deployment of the update for a set of devices. So you don't even need to necessarily be like putting together all of the rings. You might just be like two rings. The ring of people I'm okay hitting whenever, and then this ring of people that don't touch. And then we will space it out for you. Yeah, I mean, it's, interesting to figure out that you you know i've always done that you do have a group mm -hmm. of folks who aren't going to lose their minds they a they're fussy enough that they'll to pick up any problem and b know how to get help and feedback in a reasonable way and aren't going to go to the vp and freak out or set fire to the building <laughs> um and so you but i've always maintained those myself you're saying the tooling will help me now yeah so i like to think of it as there's a spectrum right if you had an XY graph, mm -hmm. you've got the X line, which is 
How much will they care? And, and this is also, by the way, how much will they care and how much does it matter if they care? So you've got the person who's an enthusiast who loves the new stuff yep. all the way to the person who could fire you if something changes. Yeah. They, they begrudging every change. Yeah. Yeah. You, you don't want to touch that person. But you also have the oblivious, right? Like they can't tell that it's changed. <laughs> that's true. That's the, that's the majority. Like yeah. Most people, people don't know, don't care. Noticing yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah. You notice the restart. You don't necessarily notice a change. Yeah. At least in my opinion. Um, but then you also have how quickly do they report if there is an issue. So you find out about it. Mm-hmm. And today you have to create all of the groups. You've got to create your internal IT admin group. You've got to create your first wave of testers. You've got to do broad deployment one, two, depending on the size of your organization, right. you'll have a varied number of ranks. Um, but one thing we did is basically saying, okay, if you've maybe two broad deployment waves, now you only need one. And what you can do is say, I actually want this rolled out over this month or over these two months to this entire ring. Please spread it out. Um, and right now, it's just automatically dicing it up into, okay, X number a day. But the really cool part of this is we have the potential to build upon that capability to actually roll it out based on device characteristics to create a sample size that's based on driver, hardware, firmware, et cetera, right. and then notice if there's an issue and pause that deployment. We're not there yet, but that's some of the really cool stuff that is enabled by the future of this capability. Oh, cool. Today, it will just auto-space it. Right. But you're on a path to detect all of those things. Yeah, exactly. It would it would be useful. Maybe I should be doing this correlations myself, too. It's like, who generates tickets? Who generates tickets related to an update in the least amount of time from the update? Like, mm-hmm. because you do... You're seeing their actual behavior as well and saying, you know, can it, do I change the classification there? Exactly. Or like allowing your end users to join the release preview ring, for example. Right. Um, that's probably the person you want in the release preview ring who can give you, hey, I got the update and I feel like an issue and I didn't mind about it, but I emailed help desk about it. Yeah. That is your like phenomenal first wave tester. No, I, I, I appreciate those people too, right? And and they're not always the easiest to get along with. Like, they can be fussy, <laughs> but that precision serves you, right? Like you, you, they, they are the that's ones useful. picking up. Sometimes their details are like, ah, I don't think that's that important. I'm going to, I'm not, you know, will not fix. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> but, but, uh, but it, and it way more, the by far the biggest problem I've ever had is you, you do a, you do a rollout and you hear nothing. <laughs> and yet, and you don't know that it does it did it work flawlessly or did they not try it? You know, you don't know anything. I promise you, if you roll out Windows 11, your customers, at least someone, will notice. Oh yes, no. As soon as the taskbar is in the middle, <laughs> like <laughs> what the? We're not using Macs. What is this? What does Mac do that? Shocking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm a big fan of multiple screens, and I like having my taskbar on only one of them, on the left side. And that is not an option in Windows 11. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised that capability hasn't yet been added back. Well, I'm hoping Maybe you sh- should. I, I'm, I'm looking at 22H1 and saying, let's see if it's in there because... H2. Or maybe it's in... Oh, it's in H2. Yeah. Because I... Uh, half one of the year, half two of the year. Right, half two. Of course, I do enough coding that I care about vertical space and having a taskbar you know, in vertical space bugs me. So, I'm, uh, you mm-hmm. know, that's just me. Uh, everybody's different. People think it's really weird that I put my taskbar on the left. And it's like, where else would you put it? You could put it on the right. Nah, it's just crazy talk, Aria. Nobody would do that. <laughs> Who knows? I always like to live in the edge. Yeah, try, try and do experimental things without a doubt. Uh, 
are we still working on trying to make that general app update process better? Like for me, it's still a struggle to pull together the third party products that everybody's using and saying, what updates do I want to use? What, what putting together a package of those rather than just updating them individually? 100%. I think that that's known the third party app story or even the first party app story is okay, but could be a lot better. Right. Um, So like, how do we make that better? Both in terms of the deployment of the applications themselves, Mm -hmm. as well as the updates of the applications and even things like orchestration. Like, so wouldn't it be nice the applications be downloaded and installed during a time when it wouldn't interfere with you watching a Netflix special or I guess if you're at work having a Teams video conversation. Well, I, I mean, I appreciate more and more apps pop up with a, hey, I need to update. Do you want me to do this now or after you close me? Like, as opposed to the traditional, oh, you need to use this software? Wait a minute. I got things to do before <laughs> I do what you want. Really? I actually find the pop-ups kind of annoying. I wish it would just automatically update once I've closed the app. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think the browser model is on the leading edge, right? Where I get an icon mm-hmm. that says, there's an update that needs to happen, but you need to close all the apps for that to happen. And it starts out green, and then it turns yellow if you wait long enough, and then eventually it turns red. Like, if you you got to wait a long time. But, <laughs> you know, the browsers, do I think, do a decent job of that, where it's like, oh, I see the yellow. It's been long enough. All right. I haven't rebooted this machine in a long time, or I have not had no browser windows for a long time on this machine. Close down the windows, open it back up, it's gone. But okay, but fair. but but you you know your point's well taken. No dialogues at any time, right? It's just an icon in the toolbar of the browser, and then after you've closed them all and opened it back up again, that icon is gone. I will say browser probably is hard for me because I probably don't close my browser as often as I should. You and I me both. It open. <laughs> I don't know what the should like is. 500 tabs. Yeah. I don't even know what they are at this point. I just know that I shouldn't close them. Well, I'm, I I just did this triage on one of my machines today where I literally closed a bunch that I knew I didn't need. And like the half a dozen that I, I got to read this, but not right now. And open a different browsing product and <laughs> copy and pasted those, the, those pages across into that so that I could finish closing all of this, you know, edge and have its icon go away. But, you know, the Azure storage manager does the, hey, can I update after you're done? It's, you know, relatively painless. It's just like, okay, finish moving my files around, da 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 close it, and then it, <laughs> you know, it where buzz clicks in the background, and then and then it's done, and you're good. But this, this is still not IT managed well in the sense of, most software is responsible for its own updates and is asking my users to do it as opposed to asking me, you know, when can we roll out updates for all these things and have it just happen? As CCM back in the day, like this was his original superpower, right? Was that I could mm-hmm. set up the 3 a.m. update for all the, pro- the the suite of products that I knew about on uh, on my organization machines. It's like, okay, we're... I think you still can. I'm sure you can. I've died, but that, I mean, we've had that capability since the 90s. Yes. You know, at, it, in that sense. But it's still, I don't know, it still feel... Back then, of course, it was a very expensive tool. Like, it was a big deal to have a, a full SCCM setup. It's gotten cheaper. Yes. And it's more cl- <laughs> and it's more cloud savvy now, too. Plus, you've rounded mm-hmm. up, you know, this is sense that, the, that all the products live under it. The Well, also going down the autopilot path and things like that, like, that to me is like more more what SCCM has become the endpoint now the endpoint you know configuration tool the endpoint manager yeah 
endpoint. There's so many names. Oh, yes. We, we like to change names. It's mm-hmm. good to keep people guessing, you know? We don't want people to get too comfortable with the name, so we just figure we change it every once in a while. You know, that that's funny, but I don't think it's true. I, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I think part of it is trying. you are trying to make sense of this yourselves and figure out how mm-hmm. all these products live together. Um, which I appreciate, but it's, yeah, it's taken a, I think it's taken a while for folks to get comfortable with where everything's going to be. What have we talked about? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think we got a pretty good, you know, we know where, where Windows Update for Business is supposed to live, where WSUS is supposed to live, uh, and the power of Intune. I mean, it's, there's always this battle with what are my free update solutions where I'm going to trade time versus money versus the paid solutions, the Intune's. Like I still talk to folks who are like, I'm not paying for updates. I'm like, because your time's that cheap, you're, you're pretty expensive. Hey, you could just use Windows Update for Business, set it once and forget it. In which case, you're taking some risks, but it's very easy, free, and quick. So, that's the, so there now is the triangle, right? Cost, time, mm-hmm. risk when it comes to updates. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. If you're, if you're going to go with no cost and no time, you're going to have the most risk. Most but risk. Consumers do that, and they are mostly just fine. Yeah, mostly. We do have some commercial customers that do the consumer model and don't manage their updates. They just let it happen. Right. But then they're also struggling with the bandwidth demands of an update Tuesday. Um, yes and no. I would say it's remote work. Some of those companies are probably more reporters of remote work, which yeah. means that they're not actually struggling with the bandwidth demands because they don't have everyone on a centralized campus. Right. It's not about bottlenecking through the internal network. It's it's all the home machines that are being updated. I would also note that even if you are, um, the devices are going to be scanning roughly every zero to 22 hours, which means you won't have every device scanning at once. Mm-hmm. You still would have all of the devices on that first day or two, right? which depending on the number of devices can be problematic. But um, I do want to call out that it's not all at the same time. So it would be spread out yeah. throughout those two days. You know, it's not like at midnight every machine fires this. It's, that's not how it works. Yeah. No. <laughs> so, but I like this risk spectrum model. It's like, okay, there's the highest risk, lowest effort, and then what? You know, then it's the choice of how do we begin to mitigate risk. That you now just keeping a rack. You're going to test updates. You you don't allow the machines to auto update. You tell them when they should update. Would that be the next step? Yeah, I think it's so the most risk, but the least control and effort mm-hmm. is get, do nothing, get the consumer experience. Right. You then would say, okay, no, I want to do something. So I'm going to set it and forget it. So you'd use Windows Update for Business, Client Policies, and roll out in Waves. So you'd just set some deferral policies for quality updates, deferral policies for feature updates, and never touch them again. And that's pretty good. We actually have a lot of customers that do that and get along just fine. And so that means if the first wave has problems, you can hit a button to say stop rolling yeah, out. you can pause. Right. You can pause. So that if, as long as you're um, paying attention, you need a certain amount of attention. It's like an update's coming. Start the first yeah. wave. Watch the tickets come in. Okay, you know, the phone's not ringing. Keep, let it keep going. Oh, the phone's going off. Let's pause. Evaluate. Oh, okay, well, that's the problem. Tweak. Go, you know, let it go again. But at least you have some control. What's next past that? So the next step, if you had been no control, will be deferral. The next step, I would say, is Wolf B target version or Wolf B DS, where you can say, okay, I want to move exactly to this feature update. I want to move it to this feature update at this time. Um, so then you're having actual control. But that means you have to actually go in after a feature update's released, know when the feature update was released, and schedule its deployment. 
So that's going to be you tracking. Them. Right. But that also means you probably tested to know that that's why you want that one. That that's an exactly. evaluated configuration that you that you have evidence works. So now you're specifying yep. what to do. So you've now you set up a lab, done your testing, and decided on the version, and then you can specify it. Exactly. And you also have to know when your current version is going end of service. Versus the default model, you'll automatically update before you're going end of service, so okay. you're good. Versus here, you've got to monitor that. Then the next level of control is going to be something more along the lines of configuration manager, where you're basically using WSF standalone or configman, and you're saying, okay, I'm going to approve an update. So I'm going to approve exactly this quality update. I'm going to approve exactly this feature update and deploy them to the device on this time. Now, you can go full-on control, which I would not recommend, which is task sequences. You can go and configure task sequences for your devices to wow. do certain tasks at specific times, and you can write some great scripts and have a blast. But that's probably overkill for most people. Yeah, but, it, I mean, we talked about the exotic environments like regulatory environments, the disconnect environment that represents a naval ship or a cruise ship or something like that, like... There are places where that level of control may be appropriate. I don't know about task sequences being appropriate anywhere. Okay. Um, potentially. <laughs> I would say potentially, but you would have to show me very, very clearly why. Yeah. Um, because Is even it, with Config Man. But yeah, that's old Config Man stuff, right? You can have full control. Yeah, like you can have full control of when it downloads, when it installs, when it restarts. Well, so I would a, love to know. Like, But once upon a time, it mattered what order you installed things. Like. It still does. Like, yeah. when you look at some of the problems we face with autopilot, like, it does matter how the order which you install things. But I think that ideally, in an idealistic world, yes. we should have figured that out with any of the tools config manner to the right. You you would think. It, I, I feel like they're pretty rare. You're telling me you've still seen it. I haven't seen that in years. But I certainly remember the agony of... You better make sure these things are these updates are in place before those updates come in, or you're going to get into an unsupported state. Which we used to have with like SSUs and LCUs mm-hmm. before we actually created the pack, one package in WSS world, where now we have LCUs and SSUs combined in a single package. So then the device itself figures out when to actually apply them. Right. So you don't run into that issue anymore. Versus previously, that was one of the major areas where we solved that. And we really haven't talked about the security side of all of this of battling mm-hmm. a zero day or a potential set of exploits, that kind of thing, where you you want to bump a certain patch above everything else you may have been testing or configuring for. Like that that still seems yeah. to be tough. Like not a trivial thing when you want to rush a patch out. Uh, say if you want to rush on a patch. Um, for Wolfie, we just enabled Expedite, which allows you to actually do a zero-day patch, which basically gets the client to scan and download a install and restart as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, basically as soon as possible. And so that's trying to cover that zero-day patch scenario. For configuration manager, there's already lots of ways to do zero-day. Yeah. Um, and for WSS in general. But for Wolfie, Expedite is the way that you can now do a zero-day. Right. So that's, again, a relatively new capability. Yeah, okay. More, more mature. So what's next? What are, we, what, are, what are you guys working on in terms of, of update? Yeah. So I think the biggest things that we're looking at that are I'm aware of Meta-wise, with zero time commitments and no promises on any of this actually happening, is really just around how do we provide the control that admins need in the cloud? Mm-hmm. How do we provide a reporting story so that you can trust the cloud because you can see, oh, yeah, this update got installed at this time. It got downloaded at this time. It restarted. Oh, I need to troubleshoot here so I can troubleshoot. 
uh, also having things around. Um, obviously, third-party applications is something we're working on as well, as well as better alignment with our first-party applications. So I think overall, the idea of how do we invest to make the cloud the best for most customers. Sure. Um, obviously, noting that people are going to be using both. Um, so we need to make sure that both work well and that they work well together. Like one of the things that I'm super excited about that we added last year was the new scan source policy that allows you to choose for Windows updates, whether feature updates come from the cloud or from on-prem, whether quality updates come from the cloud or on-prem, drivers come from the cloud or on-prem on an update basis or update type basis, because that means truly you can have an experience where you're now using the cloud for certain things like drivers and quality updates, right. which drivers are a pain on-prem. And then you can use on-prem management for everything else. And so I think that's really a better together story for the moment. Yeah. And how do we make it the best story possible? I do think that, you know, one of the superpowers of the cloud is the aggregate data view that mm -hmm. if you're able to, from an anonymous perspective, aggregate across hardware configurations and software configurations, say, you know, everyone with this kind of configuration has had a problem here so that before it gets to other customers, it's already been detected and, and restricted. Mm -hmm. Like that's interesting to me. You know, that's the, what the power, the, the power of the cloud has been that aggregate view. Yeah, for sure. And the safeguards that we use to protect devices. Excellent. Well, Aria, it was really fun talking to you and very insightful. I think differently about the insider program today. Hey, that's good. That's yeah. one of my goals is to convince more people to use it. Yeah. To make, cause it's better for them and it's better for, for everyone ultimately if they do. So that insider program is part of your update policy is a very interesting angle on it. So I appreciate that. But thanks for laying out the landscape so well. I, it's clearer for me now. Good. I'm glad. Always happy to talk. Awesome. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. And we'll talk to you next time on Run As Radio. Bye.